what's up? This bruh man from the fifth floor. And look at here, when I'm chillin', you know, eating my sandwiches with my honeys up on the fifth floor. I always tune in to reviews and done. They all let. They be letting the brother know where all the Serb sandwiches is. Peace. What's going on, world? It's your boy, Derek Dunn, back with another interview for Reviews and Done. Today's guests are two people, two of my Facebook friends who are very talented filmmakers in their own right. Um, I enjoy following these two on Facebook. I enjoy the positivity that they bring. They're never judgmental. It's just positive, black love at its best. Two creators that are out here knocking it out, in my opinion, their favor with God right now and just their positive aura. I mean, you know, the 70s, you had Ruby and Ozzy. I grew up on the Cole and Boris. And if you're a film fanatic, you know we got Reggie and Gina. But I'm a firm believer 10 years from now we're going to know the names Stoney and Brandon as a black power couple in the film industry. So give it up. Welcome to the, welcome to the line, my friends and talented creators, Stoney Scott. And Brandon Hammond, how are you guys doing today? I'm doing pretty, pretty good. I do want to add, like, Sony is a nickname. My real name is actually Genesis Scott. So, <laughs> um, Genesis. put that out there. What do, you, what do you prefer? You want the you want the government name? Or do you want the nickname? Uh, Genesis, Genesis. Genesis, sorry. Right. For the yeah, for the that's uh you know that's uh the filmmaking uh name that we go by. <laughs> So, cool, cool. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But mm-hmm. we're gonna, how we're going to do it is I'm going to interview them separately, you know, because they both have their own passions. They are a couple, but they also are, are individuals. And then we're going to knock out some joint questions. So up first, you know, I'm a Southern gentleman. Even though I'm not from the South, is Miss Genesis Scott. She's going to tell her truth and her story. And then we're going to get to my man, uh, Brandon, to tell his story. So, Sonia, my first question, I'm sorry, Genesis, my first question is, when did you realize that you wanted to enter the film industry? Mm. And so, like, that's a, a very interesting one because I've always loved film and movies and TV. And um, I remember in, in my household, like, that was the one thing, like, where me and my mom would get along is when we were watching TV <laughs> or watching a movie. So that's always been there. But my first love was music. And so um, I pursued music. I went to school for music, um, and I did a little acting here and there, but it was really like music was my passion. And then when I went to college, um, you know, for like a a live, I went to, my degree was in, uh, was in like live kind of like engineering, was audio engineering. And I started, I had to, for the requirements, I had to take an editing class. And we had to film things and we had to edit it. And I don't know, the first day that I was in there, we had to edit a project. I edited like almost like a short film. And, you know, it was like the teacher was like, okay, have you done this before? And I was like, no, this is like my first time. And so (laughs) from there, this was natural. And then other people started asking me to film things for them and edit things for them. And then I had my own stories I wanted to tell, and then it just grew from there. 
And that's how, you know, I just fell in love that, that way. And then I realized with film, I can incorporate everything that I'm passionate about, like art. You know, you could do the cover art for it. Um, you can storyboard it. Music, you have the soundtrack, sound design, writing. You're writing the script and just, like, the visuals of it. So it really encompasses almost all facets of the art. And that's why, you know, I love it and how I really, you know, embraced it and got into it. Dope. Yes. What was the question <laughs> behind your shorts, The Mask, and Can You Hear Me Now? Okay, you digging up the crates. <laughs> um, uh, can You Hear Me Now was actually inspired by, um, it was just one day I was, like, on a bus, and there was this lady on her cell phone, and she was just really loud, and she was talking about, like, how some dude, like, gave her chlamydia <laughs> and all this other stuff. These things that were, like, you know, I'm looking around when there's kids on the bus, and then I was just like, all right, let me zoom in. Let me pay attention to this. And I got off the bus, and I'm watching people. Like, everyone is almost in their own little bubble on a cell phone, walking and talking. You know, some is on a business call. Some are, you know, just talking to their boys. And you could, like, you hear these little bits and pieces of very uh, intimate conversation, and they do tell a story. And so that's where, like, that inspiration came, and I was like, you know, what do our kids see on a daily basis? Just going from maybe their house to the store. <laughs> like, what are they, you know, we think that we're keeping them safe and we're keeping them guarded, but they are exposed so much in a five to ten minute interval that, like, you know, that's worthy to be explored. And so um, that was the inspiration for that, and that was actually my first uh, actual short that I did. Um, and I'm really proud of it. Um, you know, I learned a lot, um, but I really like the story. And I would love to, you know, maybe continue it in some way. Um, and as far as the mask, um, I was a part of this uh, group of Bronx filmmakers. And they we would give challenges, here, like, every every couple of weeks. And one of the challenges was to write a one-page, one- to two-page script. And I was just like, what can I write about in, in that amount of time? And so I, was, I decided to kind of, kind of write about uh, this, like, what does a mental breakdown look like? You know, and uh, so that, you know, I decided to take uh, someone that we wouldn't really think is having, who has mental health issues, and that be like a politician, someone who seems to have it all together. But behind the scenes, in this small amount of space, we see, like, him unravel. And so that was that inspiration for that. <laughs> cool. So I'm going to add a little bit extra something real quick just because, you know, I like hearing you talk about your truth. Okay. <laughs> Have you ever considered making one of your shorts into to a full-length feature? Yes, I have considered it, um, and it's just more like which one has the like which one of the shorts that I've done has the most like expansive story. Um, there is a, a short that I did called um, the Zen Paradox, and I did it for a, a forty-eight hour film challenge. And um, you know, I wrote the script, 
and you know just you know we did everything in the confines of like two days we wrote it shot it edited it and all of that um and you know the product i was like okay so it's you know out of a one to ten i give it like a seven but i know i can perfect it and i think there's a story here and it was the story is about an african-american woman who is able to contact um she's able to make contact with her deceased sister in another time and it's like you know i i, I really loved working like with the paranormal aspects of it and telling like a different type of story and a story that i'm not used to telling and i was just like okay this is something that i could actually expand because there was a lot of unanswered questions in the script so yes i have and that will probably be the one that i do well you know me you know i'm always supporting my folks so if they get that um <laughs> feature link whether it's on redbox whether it's on you know streaming count on my support so oh, again, years, I appreciate that. Oh, yeah. You know, you're always, fam. Next to your drive and your beautiful spirit, one of the things I most respect about you is your love and admiration for the legendary Tupac Shakur. Now, I can say that, um, you know, I was never really a diehard Pac fan, per se. I mean, I, I respect Pac, what he did. I have his entire discography, got all his movies, and too often, you know, you have – Pac stands that will attack you if you say anything negative about Pac. And I'm like, I'm not saying I don't like the cat. It's like, I was just never a diehard Pac fan. You know, but you're one of the few people who is a Pac fan who never challenges anybody's opinion. He never tried to cause arguments. He just say respect. You know, I respect your opinion. So that's one of the things I love about you. When you talk about Pac, you never try to belittle someone else's opinion who doesn't have the same affinity that you did for Mr. Shakur. So as someone who personally knew Pac, where do you think he would be in 2020? Wow. Well, I appreciate that. And, um, you know, and it's funny just also, you never know how you're coming off to people. So, you know, you just have to always kind of carry yourself every day, like with a certain in, a personal integrity. Um, and so, like, it you know, that kind of, like, warmed my heart a little bit to hear you say that. So, <laughs> but um, I would say I I didn't I didn't know Tupac, like, the way a lot of people know him. I met him just, uh, just one time. My dad was in a movie called Above the Rim, and uh, he was just, and he, they did a scene, and my father was in a scene, um, and my father had, like, a really small role. He was, like, one of the... Um, the scorekeepers at, at a, a couple of the basketball games. And my dad used to be, my dad used to play in Rucker. He was a street baller. He went to college, played ball. So he was um, asked to be in that film. And so he was in it. And, you know, that's how I got to meet him. And he was just, like, the most kind, like, and I was a child at the time. Like, he was just very kind, very nice, you know, where a lot of people there were kind of like, you know, I, w- I was on set. A lot of people were, you know, trying to get things done, and he just took the time, and he was just very nice, very gentle, um, a good spirit. Um, and then 
you know, after that, you know, after that experience, you know, I got some more of his music, more of his beliefs and the things that he, you know, he lived for. And what I I think he would be doing 2020, like he would be on the front lines uh, in regards to like, you know, just political, political and social activism. Um, I see him with a family, a family man. Um, I see him mentoring young black men, see him mentoring uh, young artists. Um, And I just definitely see him taking, like, a lot of, I see him with a lot of organizations to help, uh, you know, those in poverty. Um, I see him just really making, you know, a change in the world. And he's still making that change, like, you know, even though he's not physically here. Like, we see, like, he's changed a lot of people's lives, and he's, you know, and he's inspired so many, so many who uh, are doing those things that probably wouldn't have uh, participated in activism the way that they do if it wasn't for Tupac Shakur. So that's what I think he will be doing today, and his spirit is, you know, kind of still doing it, in my opinion. I, I can totally agree with that, um. I always tell folks, I mean, for me, even though I wasn't a diehard, you know, Pac fan, I mean, I loved him as an actor, but I always saw Pac as just being bigger than music. And just when right, you right. talk about what you're saying, you know, I could right now definitely see Pac doing work with David Banner. I mean, possibly even doing stuff that Oprah was doing for the girls in Africa, building schools. Personally, you know, I think he would have retired from music early on, maybe as early as before he was 30, and he would just be focusing on giving back and, you know, building a performing arts school in Baltimore and then having a L.A. branch, and he was was in the music. I agree with that wholeheartedly. That's why, like, you know, when I was thinking about it, I didn't put music in there because I actually saw him, like, not necessarily doing music, you know, anymore, and... um, yeah, just, like, even working with, like, you mentioned David Banner. I also see him working with, like, Jesse Williams and, uh, you know, if Nipsey Hussle, like, I, I see him working with Nipsey Hussle, like, you know, those years that Nipsey, you know, was blessed to be here. Um, yeah, I see, you know, I see a lot of a lot of that stuff. Um, I see so, like, just major growth and uh, just just a powerful uh, individual to kind of, you know, still still be here and doing it. <laughs> totally. All right, so we're going to segue into your bay, Mr. Brandon Hammond. Mr. Hammond, you ready for your quick interview, sir? I am ready. That was a beautiful interview, Jan. Yeah, I loved it. I loved listening to all of that. Thank you, Lou. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, I'm going to intro my, you know, my next guest, Mr. Brandon Hammond, former child actor and now talented filmmaker. And this is a cat who, growing up, was like the premier child black actor for us. I mean, you know, we all like Macaulay Culkin, but growing up, you know, as a kid in the 90s and the 80s, you know, you had Brandon Hammond. This is a cat who worked with Jack Nicholson, Jane Seymour, Charles Zayn, Samuel L. Jackson, played a young Michael Jordan, all before he could drive. That's a hell of an accomplishment. So, I mean, he was that dude, you know, in the 90s where you would just 
turn the TV on, he would just be everywhere. So thank you for being an integral part of my childhood as well as numerous young brothers and sisters who realized that they wanted to act like they saw you and we could do that. And, I mean, even thinking back now to your, to your filmography, there was nothing that you ever did that was negative or even um, borderline stereotypical. Like your agent, I guess your parents made sure you, you only took on roles that were meaningful. Uh, well, first of all, man, thank you for that intro, bro. I, got, I might have to hire you for my as my hype man. <laughs> that was pretty. That was pretty dope. Um, I appreciate that, man. Well, thank you for having me on. Um, you know, this is a um, this is pretty cool for me because this is like one of the few interviews that me and 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 my boo <laughs> uh, get to do together. You know, typically when we're asked to, when I'm asked to do an interview, um, it's typically um, you know, on a solo tip. So I appreciate you having me and my, my beautiful, talented partner on as well. Um, as far as um, my acting career and the role that I uh, was blessed to do, um, absolutely. I would say that my mom, uh, who also was my manager, um, she, she definitely um, played a big part in the role that I took on. Um, what I would and wouldn't do, um, but I also would say I was I was also fortunate. You know what I mean? I was fortunate to to uh, to do some of the things that I did, and they had a, a pretty positive uh, impact, uh, you know, on the culture, right, if you will. So, um, you know, I'm just really fortunate that a lot of the films and characters that I played um, stand the test of time. You know, to this day. People are quoting Soul Food, Menace, Tales from the Hood, you know, Face uh, Jam. People are still watching those films to this day. So um, I'm very, very, very fortunate and blessed. So the first time I recall seeing you on screen was in 1993's Menace Society. One of the first ones I snuck into, as a matter of fact, where you um, portrayed a young cane. Did you ever get a chance to speak with the legends Charles S. Dutton and Samuel L. Jackson? You know what? I briefly spoke with with um, Sam because you know he played my father in the film, um, but I did not get to to talk with or meet Mr. Dutton. Um, so I, I wish I had some really cool stories or, or anecdotes or or um, you know any type of, of stories I could tell you as far as conversations I had with them. Um, but my but my time with, with, with uh, Samuel L. Jackson was brief. Um, we only worked uh, one day together. Um, my part took two or three days to shoot, um, but, like, the scene where he shoots the guy, um, he wasn't present for that because, you know, at the time, man, I was, like, eight, nine years old, and for different reasons, you know, probably child labor laws and, you know, what a child can be subjected to and what they can't be subjected to, um, they cheated that whole entire exchange there, you know, where he shoots the guy and the guy falls and uh, you hear my dad, played by Sam Jackson, uh, saying, Kane, Kane. Um, but I did get to meet him uh, in the makeup room, you know, that was the day 
where he and I were filming together. Um, and it was, I mean, it was dope. Of course, I didn't know he would become, you know, so revered and who, who he is today. Um, but it's kind of cool to look back on that now. Um, you know, uh, as somebody that I got to meet during my career. One of your roles that doesn't get any mention that much is the character Maddie from the Gregory Hines show, which aired on CBS in early 1997. For me, as a, you know, growing up without a father, your portrayal of Gregory Hines is one of my top five African-American father and son relationships of a 90s sitcom. And the show never really got a fair shot, in my humble opinion. I don't know why CBS put it on. Friday. That's another argument for another time. But um, what memories do you have of the late, great Mr. Gregory Hines? Wow. Well, I, I first need to man, thank you for, you're absolutely right. You know, I am very rarely asked about the Gregory Hines show and about my character, Maddie. Um, the Gregory Hines show was such an important uh, time for me, and it's been especially important uh, just opportunity, um, you know, in many ways it shaped the man I am today. Um, I still have relationships with people from the Great Behind Show, from the creators of the show, uh, Nat Bernstein and Mitchell Catlin, to some of the actors, like Wendell Pierce. He's like a big brother. You know, he's one of my, my closest friends uh, in the industry and just in life. Um and, uh, you know, Gregory, man, what can I say about Gregory, man? He was, the relationship you saw on film or on, on TV was the relationship we were building um, off screen. Um, he was like a father. Um, you know, I didn't have a relationship with my dad, um, at least not a close one. Um, so um, Gregory was definitely... Um, like a father figure to me. Um, and remember, when I, when I did the Great Nine show, I was, I was right in the midst of, like, pre-adolescence, hormones, like, just discovering myself, my body, and, you know, dealing with a whole bunch of new emotions and feelings. And he was, like, right there with that. Him and Wendell Pierce, actually. But, you know, so a lot of my questions, a lot of my thoughts, um, a lot of that stuff, went to him, went to him and went to Wendell. Um, and Gregory, man, I miss him. I remember getting the call about him passing, and it just devastated me um, because I had saw him not too long ago. He had invited me to the premiere of Mr. Bojangles. He played Mr. Bojangles um, in a biopic, um, I believe, for Showtime, and he invited me to the premiere of that. And that wasn't that, it, it feels like that wasn't that um, that much before he ended up passing away. Um, he didn't tell anyone, at least not to my knowledge, he kept it pretty close to the vest as far as his illness. So it definitely, um, it was like losing a dad. Um, but we were really, really close, man. We, you know, he's an Aquarius too. His birthday is uh, Valentine's Day, February 14th. My birthday is February 6th, so I feel like, you know, that could have something to do with it, too, to Aquarius's, uh, you know, bonding um, like that. But, um, yeah, Gregory and I were really like father and son. 
And and another thing that I hope I'm not over speaking about this, but I could really go on and on about about my relationship. Initially, CBS, when you talk about why did they put us on Friday night, I agree with you. We should have stayed on Monday night. Um, they tried us on Monday night, and our ratings uh, were great um, on that night, but they, they wanted to compete with this PDI Friday thing. And, you know, like you said, another conversation for another time. But initially, CBS wanted the Gregory Hines show to be an adult show. They initially wanted it to be more of an adult show, but uh, once they got the test screen uh, comments and the ratings back, everybody talked about the relationship between Gregory and I. And that's when the writers uh, and CBS decided to refocus what the show would be about. And uh, I'm glad that was reflected in the relationship that Gregory and I were truly, truly building. Uh, yeah, and thank you for the um, the history behind that. Because I, I just thought it was going to be a, a father-son, so I never knew it was going to be more adult-oriented. And I, I remember CBS was trying to do their whole little um, TJS competition you thing. You remember that? They, they had family matters. They had step-by-step. Step. They had that and they show had with, um, with yeah, little buddy show. from Jerry Maguire. Yeah, yep. it was, uh, and he was an alien, uh, and the guy from uh, uh, Perfect Strangers. Uh, Bronson Pinchot. It was the little guy, Jonathan Lipnicki. <laughs> yep, Jonathan Lipnicki, the kid from Jerry Maguire, and Bronson Pinchot from Perfect Stranger. That was the lead-in. And then, or either Family Matters, the, the reboot, not the reboot, but yeah, it, it left ABC, went to CBS. They might have been the lead-in at 8 o'clock. 8.30 was that show with the, the kid from Jerry Maguire, then we were uh, 9 o'clock, um, I believe, so, or 9.30 on Friday night. But it was like Death Valley on that night, man. We, we really didn't stand a chance. You know, I really wish we got a better, a better shake because it was really a special show, bro. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I'm just going to add two quick questions into your interview. Um, you kind of stepped back around 02 after Our America and – Blue Hill Avenue, did you decide to go to a film school, or why did you decide to kind of fall back from the film industry for a while? So I did end up um, going to film school. You know, my, my shifts kind of focused more behind the scenes. Um, you know, but also I did have some health challenges, you know, too. Um, you know, that's something actually I'm not too open about. But, you know, these days I'm, I'm, I'm getting there as far as uh, as far as, getting a bit more personal, you know, uh, as far as stuff like that goes. But um, I had some health challenges, um, and, um, yeah, and then I, and my focus just um, – I've always been a storyteller. I've always liked to write. Um, I was always the actor who, in between takes, I was sitting right next to the director, picking his brain or her brain, asking questions, you know, what made you do this shot? Or, well, you know, why do you want to do a retake here? And, what about this? Why did you choose this lighting scheme and things like that? So I was always very, very inquisitive. I was like a sponge when it came to stuff like that. And, um, and um, yeah, so um, it felt like a natural progression. I loved the industry, went to film school. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's when my first uh, short film at the age of 19, I wrote and directed that called Summer Blame. 
uh, it got accepted to the Pan-African Film Festival and won a few awards from different festivals and uh, just fell in love with it, man. Now I'm writing and directing more. Well, respect, man, for following your dreams, staying true to your vision, and Thank you. not becoming a Hollywood tragedy like most child stars end up. So to close out your section, I've got to ask, for years the trades have talked about a follow-up to the 97 class of Soul Food entitled More Soul Food. Have you been approached to reprise your role? So I have been approached. Uh, I, I wouldn't say to reprise it, like, directly. It hasn't been, like, direct conversation. But, um, you know, I can say that, uh, when, especially when they were really, really talking about this, like, like you said, a couple years ago, maybe two or three years ago, when, like, there was really a lot of conversation about doing it, um, George Tillman, the writer and director of Soul Food, he called me and just asked me, he said, hey, man, where do you think Ahmad would be today? You know, where do you think he would be? What do you think he would be doing? Um, and I gave him my thoughts and, and opinion about that. So um, I do know that um, I would probably have some involvement. I don't know if it would be to reprise the character or just in terms of, like, a consultant or things like that, because I'm actually really close to George Tillman as well, and he's been uh, somewhat of a mentor to me um, as a, a filmmaker now. So, um, But, yeah, it seems like that, that talk kind of died down a bit. Um, you know, I actually had a conversation with Vivica Fox uh, last week about this very thing, and she's down. She's down to do a sequel, if you will. Um, I feel like it just needs to be done right. You know, if there is going to be one done, it needs to be done right because Soul Food Man, as you know, is a classic. And uh, it, to me, it's better to leave things alone if you can't make it at least as good as the first. Even if it's not better, I mean, the goal is to have it be better, but it's not better at least to let it be as good as the first. Cool. All right, so we're going to bring your queen back on, Ms. Genesis Scott, for some joint yes. questions. I'm excited to hear about you guys' collaboration. Like I mentioned earlier, you know, I'm just um, – it's a big thing to see black love in this day and age, especially when you guys are collaborating together. You know, just because my wife is, um, you know, Caucasian, I'm still a big component of um, promoting black love and preaching black love and just giving couples – their shout-outs whenever I see it, especially when they're working together, because if we don't do it, then, you know, who's going to do it? So kudos to you guys and respect for working together and, once again, just for staying positive. So before we get into the film questions, if you all don't mind, just so I can say, you know, I know the story how they met. Just give me a quick little quick little snippet of how y'all met. So when you guys were at Oscar, I can say this is a real story. This is actually how they met. You know, they told me first. <laughs> I it, we can I, we're definitely talking about. It. I wanted to mention something, and it kind of ties into what you said. When you, uh, I feel like this is how I hooked them. Like when you mentioned uh, the Gregory High show, like me and him were like Facebook friends, and when we spoke, like we, you know, we we were just we like I had gone through something in a past relationship, and he was just you know there. We were just talking. Uh, it wasn't even on that, but I remember, like, him saying, like, or him mentioning something about 
uh, him, like him used to be an act, like him, he used to be an actor. And then I don't know, he asked, did I, did I know? Or, you know, cause he wasn't sure. And I remember saying to him, oh yes, like I'm very familiar. I, I said to him, I was like, um, I love the Gregory Hart show. Like that, you know, me and my mom, and God rest my mom's soul, and I just want to plug up my mom. My mom just passed away last month. Um, but that was, yeah, I appreciate that. And, uh, but just, you know, I, I, you know, I said that, so like, you know, me and my mom, we would just sit and we would watch that show. Mm-hmm. And so he kind of was like, oh, like, he was like, you know, a lot of people mentioned a lot of his other work, but if you see, like, the, the Gregory Hines show was, you know, it was well-written, well-acted. It was before its time, and I would love for, like, Netflix or Hulu to, you know, put it on their platform today, and I would like to for that to happen, so to open that up to uh, a newer audience because it's really a great show with um, – Brandon Hammond, the legendary Gregory Hines, the legendary Wendell Pierce, the, mm-hmm. you know, even Bill Nat Hobbs. Bernstein, yeah. Bill, Nat, Bill Hobbs, like, and, you know, Nat Bernstein, who is, who uh, created the Doogie Howser uh, MD, mm-hmm. like, just, it was filled with so much talent, and, um, you know, and then the fact that you mentioned that you're now his best friend, just like, <laughs> you're not mentioned that now, you know, I, right. I'm his lady. Yeah, <laughs> but I just want to tangent too, Mister Dan, like because I, I, like she said, people mention soul food. They mention you know minutes and tales, and but it's like I call them the obscure, little known shows, like the Gregory Hines show. Um, when people mention, I'm like, oh okay, you you a fan fan then. Me growing up at eight a.m. Even though I had you know positive male role models, you know. In my life, I didn't have, like, you know, a father living in the house. And, right. you know, people always talk about, you know, Fresh Prince. And, I mean, I get it. Like, you know, the Cosby show, you know, that was the kid that had in the 80s. In the 90s, you had Carl Winslow and Uncle Phil. Uncle but Phil. on your yeah. team, you and Mr. Hines actually showed affection. And mm-hmm. that wasn't something that we saw in the mm-hmm. 90s. And just to go on a quick little tangent, seeing mm-hmm. that, you know, let me know that, you know, it's okay to show affection between black men. And I, I remember there being an article where they were like, well, do black fathers kiss their sons? I'm like, I mean, I'm sure they do, you know. But <laughs> it's like one of those things where it's such a toxic society where showing affection between black males is considered homophobic or considered, you know, not a real thing. I'm like, you know, it's okay to kiss your son on the forehead. It's okay to give your son a hug. Like, you know, we are human beings. You know, we do show affection without it having to have a sexual overtone to it. That's yeah. a quick little tangent. I want to shout that out because, again, you know, I can never recall Bill kissing, you know, Theo on the forehead or, mm. hell, did everybody hug him? <laughs> I think they would <laughs> shake hands and he would smile at him. And, on, you know, on, on Family Matters, yeah, I can recall Carl hugging Eddie, and I can recall Phil, Uncle Phil hugging Will and Carlton, but I don't even think Uncle Phil really showed affection towards Nikki when Nikki became, like, you know, uh, mm-hmm. five or six years when they aged him. Shout out to Ross Bagley from uh, Fresh Prince. But, yeah, you know, yeah. your show showed all of that, so kudos and respect 
for that. But let's get back to you guys uh, left. So I just want to sidetrack really quick and anything to add about our love story, man? Yeah, I mean you hit on that. I mean you you told it. I mean yeah, we just met. Like you say, I I thought I was suave. I probably wasn't. I was trying to, you know, I'm a bit of a flirt as it is. I thought I was, you know, I was definitely shooting my shot. You know, and she might have known it. I don't know if she did or not, but I remember the way I got her number. Oh, I was like. You know what? I'm not really on this Facebook thing like this. So here's my number. You know, in case you want to use it. You know, uh, and the rest is kind of history from there. So yeah, I you know yeah. I was probably you know walk, marching with two left feet, but thinking I was uh, yeah. you know walking all cool and stuff. But yeah. And then I texted him. I said, okay, this is my number or whatever. We were just texting like, and I remember. Um, it, it was, like, because I had just got out of a relationship, like, guy, like, just did me dirty. <laughs> and so I flew to Atlanta around my cousins and be around them. And um, and then we were just texting. And then, like, days would pass. And I'm like, okay, like, I've noticed, like, we uh, we just be texting all day. And, um, and, and the thing is, too, like, he was in California and I was in New York. And so that was, you know, that was a that was a thing. And then, you know, we were then it kind of just developed. Okay, we we kind of liking each other. And then, you know, even though I was sure, I wasn't even too sure. I'm like, let can we FaceTime? Because I don't even, you know, are you who you are? Oh. And 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 on New Year's Day or New Year's Eve. At midnight, like New York time, um, I FaceTimed him, and that was the first time we kind of like saw each other, like you know, almost like live like that. And uh, yeah. at midnight, we kissed, we did a little kiss, like through the phone, <laughs> and that was the the first oh. time. And it, yeah, and then we talked a little more, and then I I get to I'm impatient too, so I'm like, you know what? I got to see you. I was like, and he was like, oh, but we got, you know, all the time. I was like, no, I need to see you because I don't want to waste any more time. There's no chemistry. And uh, so, like, February, around his birthday and Valentine's Day, I hopped on a plane and um, farmed, you know, saw each other, and there was chemistry. <laughs> and But that, it was you know, we it it wasn't easy like everything like we um, you know there were challenges and things like that, but there was chemistry. And then once we figured everything out, like you know, we just um, that's another thing I feel like a lot of couples and a lot of people don't take the time to work things out. You know, as soon as something doesn't go yeah. right, yeah, they're like so quick to bail. Okay, well that ain't me or. Like, oh, I, I cut them off quick. They, you know, brag about that. But we were like, you know, we, there's something here. We really, you know, there's something, at least for, I mean, for me, like, there's something here that I don't get from anyone else. Like, that, you know, is so different. And, um, and I wanted to also challenge myself, like, to be uh, better in this relationship than I've ever been in you know, any other relationships. And so we did the work and, you know, it's, you know, I think it's like paying off. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I feel like, you know, to just be honest, 
you know, a lot of times, too, you know, and it's funny, I, I saw Will Smith talk about the perception of, of, like, he had to break the perception of what people wanted him to be and just be who he truly was. And I feel like I was doing that when I initially met Genesis. Mm. So that was part of some of the problems. And I mean, not just, I'm only speaking mm-hmm. on, on me as far as why there were issues like some, some things that mm-hmm. I did, you know, if my, if my, my baby want to, you know, speak on her own about some, on her, her things or whatever, that's cool. But yeah. to me, I realized that I, I told her, I said, babe, you know, if I had to do this all over again, I would have done this, this, this. I would have sent this, this, this to you to mm-hmm. give you an even more accurate uh, depiction of who I am and let you decide there. Because I feel like a lot of the tug of war between black men and women, or just men and women in general, but I'm speaking about black men and women because that's, you know, who we are, that it's, it has to be rooted in, like, honesty, right? The foundation has to be rooted in honesty. You have to be honest about what you want. Like, I know three years ago when me and Jane met, about three years ago, three and a half years ago, I was a person that didn't know what he wanted. Uh, there, like, I... Thought I did, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. But I know now a lot more now, like a lot more clear of what I want out of life, what I want out of a relationship, family, things like that. So that's why I feel, too, we've really hit a stride with us is because I've been able to deal with things like I've been able to look at myself and figure out a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, a little like black that. Knowledge, y'all, a little free game. <laughs> Like, we've grown, we've both grown, like, so much, uh, just, and we're still, we're still growing, and um, it's, when you on social media, you don't see a lot of emphasis on that, everybody wants to feel like they write, and that, you know, and that, it's yeah. like, that they don't have no toxic, everybody else is toxic, but they, they're good, or <laughs> they want to act like they don't need nobody, you know, they don't, you know need that but we, um, we saw yeah. we saw a post yesterday where uh people were talking about the toxic traits and all their toxic traits were like rooted in what everybody other people yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like my toxic trait in. is that everybody keeps lying to me and I just don't trust anybody no more you know or I don't so, you know my toxic trait is I trust easy <laughs> right, and we just, you know, it took us a while, but we both were like, you yeah. know what, we don't want to continue, like, just this cycle that we're going through and that, you know, like, our other yeah. past generations going through, we want to break those cycles, and we really was yeah. willing to do, like, the hard work and get honest mm. with ourselves, like, okay, you know, um, you know, girl, you know you be doing too much, <laughs> like, I have to say to myself, <laughs> and, you know, certain you know, certain things, and and I think we both also have a tendency to, like, run, you know, from, like, mm-hmm. situations, and then, you know, we both was like, you know what, we we got to, um, you know, we got to make changes, we got to grow up, and, like, certain things, I would push back, because I'm like, well, I always do this, I always, but then it's like, okay, mm-hmm. you always do this, but what have you always gotten? And do you want to continue mm. to get that? Like, no, if you want something different, you got to do something different. And and a lot of times we resist because it is difficult for us and we're so comfortable in what we do and we, we, we make peace with that. Like, okay, 
well, that's just who I am, and we make peace with that. But, you know, I think I really challenge everybody to really challenge yourself. Look at, you know, patterns, and we have to look at patterns, like, within ourselves. What are those patterns, and, and do we want something different, and how do we get something different, and be willing to do the hard work? It's going to hurt. It's going to be hard, and it's going to hurt, and it's going to be uncomfortable for a long time. <laughs> so, right. yeah. And, and I want to say this, too, real quick. I'm, I'm an advocate of it. That's why I'm, uh, therapy. I go to therapy. Hmm. I've been going to therapy once a week since earlier, the beginning of this year, since the first week in January. So I just wanted to put that out there because I do believe that yeah. all black men, need therapy and should go to therapy, mm. So mm. I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention it. So that's yeah. a big help for me. Yeah. And we've also done therapy. therapy together, too, like couple yep. therapy, you know. And we wanted, we wanted we, like, we're looking into that now and setting that up now yep. just because, yep. you know, it's like, you know, we have a, a car, like anything, you know, you don't want to just wait till it breaks down to, like, try to fix it. Right. You want to kind of maintain it, you know, so... Absolutely, yeah. and, and it also to get, bring back, bring it all the way back to <laughs> as a filmmaker. That is what we. That's like being with someone who has similar interests in like impacting the world, leaving the world better than when you left it. Right? Mm. You know, um, that's what we're about. You know, we have projects that we've been discussing that we want to do. You know, that highlight Black love and couples and things like that. We have friends, blacks and Chinese and different people in the industry that are great examples of black love. So mm. we uh, just wanted to say that as we bring it back to us <laughs> and the things that we want to do as filmmakers. Yeah, you're not going to get us to shut up now. <laughs> I got everybody in my interviews. I'm just, I'm here to learn and to hear people, um, to hear folks talk and to kind of piggyback off what Brandon was saying, as, you know, an Air Force vet who suffers from PTSD and chronic anxiety, mm-hmm. therapy does help. And sometimes even something as simple as just listening to someone, you know, talk and tell their truth can be therapeutic. I know for me, yes. as a black man, every day, you know, I send out a text to the homies just saying I'm just doing a, a homie check-in because you never know what somebody's going through. And sometimes yep. something as simple as a text message can can lift somebody's day up and just hearing you all right. talk about your relationship and how you've grown and how it's a learning experience. I mean, all this is gold. And, you know, I kind of think wow. stuff is a, younger than me. I'm pushing 40. I'll be 40 next year. But um, wow, I've been exactly. married for 12 years, and I'm still learning hmm. stuff about my wife because you never stop learning about your spouse and you never stop kind of knowing, you know, what they're about. You, you learn about you know them, but, but you still learn about them on a daily basis. And, you know, me being a film person, like you all, kind of being deep into it, I had to learn that I can't expect my, my wifey to sit here and listen to a commentary because it's going to be boring to her. You know, that's mm. not something that John Keep Up was going to do. In the same token, she, you know, she doesn't expect me to go out there and go to a horse show because I don't like animals. So it's you know, <laughs> twofold. But just now, I want to get back into this um, thing about your the filmmaking because I want to, first of all, congratulate you all personally with my voice for winning at the um, Film Festival. So as a writing duo, 
You all recently won the John Singleton, rest in peace, Mr. Singleton, competition at the Pan-African Film Festival. Can you tell us about getting to the competition and the project that led to your joint victory? Thank you. You want to take that, babe? You can start Oh, no, no. I was just thinking. I was just thinking. Oh, no. Well, I was going to say you start off because I think your friend is the one who told us about it, right? Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Cool. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm, I'm like like my man there, ladies first. But so, um, honestly, man, it, it just shows you, too, that what's for you is for you, right? Because my boy, he's actually, he's a frequent collaborator of mine. Um, he uh, had sent the link. Uh, about the contest to me and another guy that I'm collaborating with. And, you know, a shout-out to, to my boy, Everett, Everett Mason, who's a super talented filmmaker, and Dane Crawford as well, um, those two uh, collaborators uh, that, I, that I often, uh, you know, uh, work with. But uh, Everett sent the link about this dope contest, right? I mean, John Singleton, legend in the city of Los Angeles, uh, particularly, but legend just in general, right? One of our greatest and finest filmmakers ever. Uh, he had just passed away not too long ago uh, when the Pan-African Film Festival, which is a really prestigious festival in itself, decided to honor him with this contest, John Singleton Short Film Competition. And I sent it to my partner, Genesis, and said, hey, hey, this is something we should really instead of getting into it. Of course, she thought it was dope. And I'll be honest with you, I sat on it. <laughs> like, because mm-hmm. you had the parameters about uh, the, 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 it's a short script, can't be no more than 29 pages long, and it has to highlight the city of Los Angeles, for one, like the city of L.A. has to play a character, and two, uh, well, more than two, but it also had to have certain elements in the script that highlighted the black experience, whether that be the black experience in the LGBTQ community or with systemic racism, police brutality, whatever it was, it had to highlight the black experience. So I sat on it, as I sometimes do, but this is where my lovely partner can take over because once I sat on it, what happened? She are. Oh, well, like, I... I don't know. I just remembered. It was like, I remember the deadline was like in five days or, yeah, like five <laughs> days. I was like, okay. I We really wanted to do this. And we had like an idea. And the idea, of, you know, we won for our script Amaru, which is um, inspired by the, the the life of Tupac Shakur. Yeah, um, and Tupac, it, yeah. yeah the incident where he, um, he fought uh, two undercover two undercover uh, white police officers brutalizing an African-American unarmed man. And Tupac stepped in and, you know, he shot the police officers. And he ends up, like, you know, not going to jail for that. And we were just like, you know, yo, that's some superhero stuff. <laughs> like, right there. And we, was, you know, we started talking about, okay, so, you know, and then we was uh, – started, like, uh, putting things on top of this superpower that, like, you know, Tupac had or what, what it could be. And it was like, yeah, and, you know, it's impervious to, to, to white white supremacy. Like, you know, that's the superpower. And we were just riffing on that. And 
you were like, yo, we got to turn that into, uh, you know, something. And, um, and so that was our idea. And then, like, a month or two, right, babe, passed by. Yeah. It was a, yeah, a lot of time passed by with us not yeah. getting, like, we didn't talk about this or mention it again. <laughs> um, and then five days before, I'm like, something I was like, I was like, I think I was like at work or I was something. And, and I was like, we, that deadline is coming up. And I just, I don't know. I just sat down and then I wrote, I wrote. And I, that, that night I called him. I said, I said, babe, I was like, um, remember that, you know, that idea that we had and that competition was coming up. I was like, I wrote 15 pages. <laughs> and then he was like, Yo, Burrell, and then he read it. He was like, "Oh, this is great!" And then he started to add, you know, his bank on it, like what he does. And you know, uh, one of my oh. favorite scenes is, um, like, you know, hopefully, you know, when it comes out, you all, you all see it. But uh, there's a scene, there's this uh, barbecue scene, and that's like one of my favorite scenes. And uh, Brandon wrote that, like, he's just like, "Okay, I'm gonna add this to it." And then, you know, then we we do that. We do that scenes, and then we put it all together and rewrote that that script in five days and then and that's on top of like also like me I was like teaching as well and you know we wrote that in five days and then uh we submitted it it had to be like 10 minutes before the deadline <laughs> the deadline <laughs> before it actually like we, we snuck it in there uh it is just uh yeah and then we we wrote because as you see we we talk we are talkers and so we are writers yeah. too so it was supposed to be like 28 pages we had like 32 pages that we have to get it down to 28 and then we're doing that and then we're arguing too in the middle of it, like writing so and funny. I was like I don't know how we we and him get anything done <laughs> but you know we're arguing that we have to take like an hour to resolve a conflict <laughs> and then Ooh. we went back and we submitted it and so. And then uh, there was a lot of, like, hiccups with that. And then, you know, months later, you know, we got a call from Sherry Sneed, who worked with John Singleton um, on Poetic Justice, and she worked with Spike Lee, too. Um, and that's how she met John. But she was, like, was a dear friend of his, and she was spearheading, uh, you know, the, the competition, and then she called us. And, you know, she, uh, just also a shout out to her because she's been a great friend, a great mentor. She's been guiding us through this process and just being there with us it, now that we're, you know, this pandemic is happening and being there for us the way she can, like, just cultivating us as artists and fighting for us as artists and, you know, you know making sure that we retain the right to this project. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, yeah, I just want to say, too, like, we've been meeting some really, we met some really, really dope people doing a process. Like, we had, they had a seminar for us, uh, where we met, um, different collaborators throughout John Singleton's career, which was just unbelievable for us. It was life changing. That's mm-hmm. one reason why I'm, I'm, I'm talking about it, because, you know, Jen, no, I, I said that it was really life-changing for me yeah. um, as a filmmaker because we, you know, met someone who came in and talked about uh, being your own brand, you know, BYOB. It's her trademark. And um, yeah. just about living who you want to be, 
like even on social media like like every the picture every picture you post every post you post every like quote you put up there comment thing you mm-hmm. comment about let it really speak to who you are and want to be you know mm-hmm. like you know you get so often here's so often especially on social media people uh faking the funk right like living a life that they're truly not built for, or that they're not, that's not what they really are, you know, because they want the perception of mm-hmm. it, you know, but it really isn't hard to, 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 once you know who you are, like, right, once you know mm-hmm. who you are and who you want to be, it's not hard to just live that truth, you know, and yeah. I feel like Jen is the one who always lived her truth, but uh, this person came in and probably defined it. Even mm-hmm. more, of what it means to do that even more. So when people ask yeah. me, right, who are you? Mm-hmm. The first answer I used to give is, oh, I'm a former actor. Do the no, 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 no. Who are you? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's what you do, or that's what yeah. you did. But when that's people not who ask I am. you, and when people ask a lot, like thinking, about, who are you? Like you know, people always respond with the what. Like yes. and it's usually something yes. that they do, and that they're defining themselves by that. But, mm-hmm. you know, the idea is that, and, and uh, you know, big up to her, uh, be your own brand. Uh, but the, the idea is that, is that you should, be, you should be who you are no matter what. You, like, if you attach yourself to your profession, then who are you without it? Who are you if that mm-hmm. goes away? You know? And so, yes. yeah, no. that's the, uh, yeah. You guys were saying about being your own brand and everything. That's one of the things that I urge all creators to do. I mean, naturally, you know, collaborate and work with other people, get help. But if you're in a position like these creators are on, on the line right now and myself to own your own, do your own thing, mm-hmm. just do it. It's better to have your own stuff. Yeah. You can do it how you want to do it and – Go from there. I mean, our mutual friend, I call her my big sis, uh, Christy, when I was going through something about two years ago, I don't know, no, this past summer, I apologize, this past summer, where I got into it with my former editors at the site I was writing for, and just tearing me down and talking to me, you know, sideways, I mean, it got to a point to where my, my PTSD was set off so much, I was ready to hurt this dude. And I'm like, yeah, I can't. I don't need to. I don't need to be in the situation anymore. So, I just totally bedded the situation. And my wife and my mom and my son, they all just said, like, man, just start your own thing. Like, start mm-hmm. your own thing. And I realized that um, since I've been doing my own site, writing my own, you know, writing my own stuff and everything, you know, I don't get the criticisms. I don't get the, you know, what the hell are you talking about and everything. You know, try to appeal to the. Try to tell the widest amount as possible. Look, I'm not trying to do all that. You know, for me, look, if they like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't. Because in journalism, yeah. I learned a long time ago that all that really matters is, is, is that headline. I can freaking say that Tupac is alive in Cuba, and then I can have a content of the story, a recipe for, for blueberry muffins. Somebody's going to click on the ad and get a share because the content doesn't matter so much as anymore as the headline does. When I review films, you know, I review it from a consumer standpoint and from a technical standpoint. But I try to, you know, keep them juggled together, and I'm getting insulted by these former editors. I'm like, 
like, nah, I don't need to be here. And now it's like having my own thing, I can pretty much do what I want to do and don't have to worry about anybody. And even with the with the podcasting and with the audio interviews, I initially had no qualms about doing, um, you know, podcasting or audio interviews. I was going to strictly do reviews and print interviews. And the person who really inspired me to do audio was Stokely from Mint Condition. Stokely and I chopped it up for like the end of two hours. And he was so down to earth. So cool, so humble, gave me such great advice. I was like, you know what? Just try it. And if you get a response, you get a response. And the point is you achieve the goal. And it's not even about now getting, you know, a 1,000 shares or a 1,000 clicks. I mean, hell, if I get five clicks or five shares, I'm happy. Because as Mr. Hammond said earlier, this to me is therapeutic. Everything going on in the world right now, I'm knocking out so much content because I can't, go out to the movies. I can't go to concerts. I don't have any distractions. I mainly spend time with my family. I work the normal nine to five. I work the part time and I'm out here, you know, creating content to share for whoever wants to share it. So follow your dreams, people, and don't let anybody tell you you can't do something. Amen. Right, so this next is a bit loaded. So you all know we're all in a group. You know, I'm, I'm not going to put it out there, but we're all in a filmmaking group on Facebook. <laughs> not gonna take names, just to, you know, at a respect with creator. And for people in there. You ain't going to shout them out, Derek. <laughs> no, I don't want to call any shit. But the people, people just don't notice and everything. So, you know, constantly we go back and forth over stuff and everything. We argue about stuff. And hmm. I used to be someone on the film side myself. And, you know, it's, it just got to a point where I'm like, you know what, look, if they like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't. I'm not going to try to argue with anybody anymore. I'm just going to I'm going to go see if I like it. I like it. If I don't, I don't. You know, you have your opinion. I have mine. Let's meet halfway. halfway. So this year, um, back in February, the photograph came out. Now, you all know that I really, really enjoyed the photograph. So did my wife. I mean, I think that it was yeah. a great black love story. I thought the cinematography was dope. The way that they made black skin look on screen was just magnificent. But it had, you know, its share of um, people didn't like it. And my answer was always, well, it's really not for everybody, but there mm-hmm. are couples that aren't like that in the U.S. and in the world that fall in love like that. So <laughs> as a working couple, as, you know, black content creators, how do you feel the representation of black love has evolved over the years, say from Love Jones up until now? Mm. Babe, you want to take that? Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah um, that's a great question. So for me, I think it's, it's layered, but I feel like the, the, the thing today is struggle love, right? You hear that a lot, and I think that there's some truth to it. Like, I feel like, and I'm sorry, Derek, did you say the photograph was a film that you like a lot? I even like Queen. I even like Queen and Slim because I mean Queen and Slim to me, outside of the, the torture that people tried to make it, I got what Lena was going for. And and I told Genesis, you know, when her and I were like arguing with folks in a group and everything, I think her and I kind of came to the same the same scenario that it's not so much about them having a happy ending. It's more about the trip, the destination, and getting to where they got to. Now, yeah, of course they could have ended it without them being shot, 
spoiler alert if you didn't see it, but I got why they took it there and why, you know, it had to end like that because it just, they were trying to show it's really no happy ending sometimes for black folks in America. I mean, it's just a solid, hard to swallow truth sometimes. But, you know, talking to you all, hearing you guys, especially Genesis, the way she breaks stuff down without, you know, being argumentative and without using profanity and without, you know, folks, this, you know, this queen, she knows her shit. And Genesis and and my homie Christy, they're two of the most well-versed women in film that I have the pleasure of knowing on Facebook and actually talking to because they keep it 100, and they keep it 100 by being respectful. Like, you will never see either one of those ladies call you out your name or call you an idiot or try to down-talk you. They're going to give you their opinion with facts and with love. And even if they insult you, you won't know they insult you because they say it so intelligently and so kind, you won't even know that they insulted you. So shout out, shout out, shout out to you, shout out to Christy. Shout out to Christy Woodard. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, no, yeah, so I, uh, absolutely, Jan. Um, I've seen people make it personal with her before she ever does that to them um, when it comes to debate, like really passionate debates. Yeah. The group we're all in is very passionate group of people. Um, and I will say, so, yeah, like, the funny thing is, so, we, it's it's funny. The photograph Jen and I saw together, we saw both together, Queen and Swing, yes, and the photograph. We loved the photograph. We liked the photograph a lot. And right. Queen and Swim, our um, criticisms of that film had nothing really to do with, like, the struggle love part of it. Like, we weren't even right. coming from that perspective. It was all on a filmmaking standpoint from things we didn't really care for that we, yeah. you know, stuff like that. But um, I feel like one reason why the photograph was so, because I remember the critiques, right? And a lot of the critiques was funny for me to read because I don't know if you remember, Jen, a lot of them were like, oh, it was boring. Yes. It was slow. And I think that's because you talk about that shift. We're so used to struggle, love, quote, unquote, pictures from black folks, that when you see a film that was just a well-told love story, it's almost hard for us to think that that's exciting to see. You know what I mean? And and to add on to that, I think we've, like, you know, the past 10 years or so, we've got inundated with, like, you know, certain filmmakers, you know, I'm not going to say, like, who (laughs) they, they try to cram as much, like, stuff that can happen in a movie or in a show, in an episode. Yeah. We're going to throw yeah. this kitchen sink in there. We're going to throw this, like, and so much is happening, but it's devoid of, like, a, like a story, like a, a true, uh, you know, beginning and middle and end, and, and, and this is a, a purposeful story, a, a story with purpose. And so the past few years, we see so much of that, that that's what people expect. And if it's not having that, like, then people would go, oh, this is boring. Like, no, it's not boring. You don't pay attention to the story. No, um, no, someone is not, uh, <laughs> uh, trying to, like, no, someone is not, um, I'm trying to think of some of the, like, tropes that, that can insert <laughs> certain things. No, someone is not in an interrogation room and their wig keeps changing every every shot, <laughs> you know. But, like, there's dialogue. Just, like, try to enjoy this for what it is, and that's what – I think that's, like, right. 
what that issue is. But, yeah, yeah. And, I, and it's funny because we, we, look, we, we're such nerds, right? Like, I don't know if you are, and I don't know if you watch films the same way with your wife, uh, Derek, that Jen and I. Like, we're such nerds when it comes to film. We're like, hey, look at that shot. Look at the lighting. Look at the way he chose to cut there. Like, so yeah. we just love, right, storytelling and, and movies. And um, it's funny, like, so there's a certain level of, it's hard for me sometimes to just just sustain my belief of it. Like Jen has to get mm-hmm. on me a little bit. Like, like just enjoy it. Like, like they like try not to be so literal right now with this yeah. film. You know, try to just enjoy mm-hmm. it for what it is. You know, um, yeah. I have to be reminded of that sometimes. Um, and it doesn't mean lessen your standards for a movie. You know, like when she was talking about examples. You know, where there's just egregious continuity errors. You're allowed, yeah. You should be allowed to speak on that. You know what I mean? You should be allowed to talk about that and criticize that. But, yeah, like, so uh, also, too, back on your, your question, um, I feel like, it, at least from my point of view, the, the love story, especially black love stories, though, I mean, they were few and far between, but think about it, y'all. Brown Sugar, Love mm-hmm. and Basketball, yeah. Love Jones. Like, I feel like there were more the photographs in the 90s. So yeah. you know, when you mm-hmm. see a, the photograph today, it's mm-hmm. almost like it doesn't go down easy. Do you agree with mm-hmm. that, babe? Like, I, I feel like that's why it, it's also a bit of a, like, especially for this generation, like, yeah. almost unrelatable in some way because, mm-hmm. like, you know, like I say, we saw those films a lot more, yeah. at least seemingly saw those films a lot more in the 90s, early 2000s than we do now. So the photograph is like, yeah. To me, it takes it back to what we, what I was used to seeing in the nineties mm-hmm. and the uh, early two thousand. Yeah, it is definitely to me like similar in tone to, uh, to like Love Jones, and, you know, in that sense. And yeah. um, I think I love like you know, we have, you know, you said from Love Jones. I remember like one of my favorite films is um, Love and Basketball. Um, uh-huh. To me, clearly, like to me like top 10 love stories of all time and uh Gina Gina Blythewood like like she is amazing and another I thought she she came out with Beyond the Light which is could like it shot up for me as well like to you know the top one of the top love stories um and I love um seeing that on film and you see he's an entertainer and he, he's um she's an entertainer he's a cop and you know that love and um i think um kind of similar to you derek um a lot of what i learned about love and how to love your man and you know what a healthy relationship looks like a lot of it i've gotten from movies and black love stories and stuff like that because you know and then i'm sure a lot of people like that too if they didn't have that that quintessential two-parent home um, i did at first and then you know my parents got divorced and so you didn't you know, get it from steve harvey's book you didn't get it from steve harvey's book <laughs> not from steve harvey's book i thought you i thought you got it from steve harvey's book i thought you were thinking like no because if i did we probably would not be together <laughs> and we both be single and lonely and <laughs> Right there, um, I thought she was thinking like a man. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, think, I, I think what we try, at least, 
you know, for me and the stories that I write and the stories that I tell, and I think he knows this, and I, and he's kind of, you know, he's accepted this about me, I think. And anything that I do, I try to put an element of love in there because mm-hmm. that's what we need. Like, we need love. And like, just how, you talk- <laughs> <laughs> just how you talk, just how you talk about like you know seeing that affection between black men. Um, I always like love is so important, um, and it and I believe that that we get to our highest self when we are able to show love, express love, experience love, things like that. And so and I always try to have an element of love in, some, in anything that I write, anything that I shoot, um, because I think it's, people need to see it and, um, yes. and people be, need to be reminded. And I think it's just very, very important, and it gives us hope. And a great, a great story teaches us something. And, you know, you could learn something. Uh, you could learn how to love someone or learn what someone needs by like a great, a great love story. And I think, Absolutely. you know, you, yeah, you have filmmakers creating those, but I think we need to, you know, spend, you know, we need to focus a little bit more on it. And um, we're going to, we want to, we want to tell, Brandon and I want to tell diverse stories, but we all, we want to keep the love in there. Yeah. I'm here for it. And you know, what you got to say earlier about, um, especially Brandon, this generation, you know, often on social media, you see they'll bring something up and they'll call something toxic, and I think it speaks to a bigger <laughs> volume in the, in the black community with, like, lack of affection and our, you know, habit to overanalyze stuff. And, you know, prime examples, mm. I know you guys have seen the videos or the pics on um, A Different World when Dwayne breaks oh, the I wedding see. up. yeah you know, still to, take, to get Whitley back. And I'm like, well, if y'all think about it, you know, that was his lady love. And my, I remember Dwayne was Whitley's first and her only. So she never even slept with nobody else on the show she was serious about. And mm-hmm. had they not been together, the show wouldn't, they, wouldn't be as iconic. And as a man... If it was me, you know, and I would have lost my wife to somebody else, I'm like, so yeah, I'm breaking that wedding up to go get my baby back. <laughs> yeah. And the whole arc where he was talking to his father, saying like, you know, pops, I'm scared, and I don't know if I want to, if I can do this. Mm-hmm. Men go through that every single day. Now mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, I knew he was the one from jump, but men go through that every day. You have people that yeah. think loving basketball is toxic, and I'm like, yeah, I don't see it as being toxic at all. Once again, he goes back to lack of affection in the black community because Monica didn't get that affection from her mom the way she needed. So go a little bit deeper, she couldn't properly adjust to Q's issues. Q was Mm -hmm. used to having everything you wanted. And then all of a sudden your world is shattered. The person you need the most is going to have her life, you know, do a 180 and become the star what does she do? So, you know, I mean, we, we, can, we, can, we can analyze love and basketball, why it's not yeah. toxic for hours, because we study film, but, you know, yeah. in no and, basketball is not toxic at all. Yeah. yeah, and then, you know, and I've seen that, like, as far as, like, the, the Whitney and Dwayne, like, oh, you know, Dwayne was so 
toxic. And I think we learned a new word, and so now we're using it all the time. <laughs> um, and I think, yes, there are certain things that are in our culture that we, you know, that's perpetuated that is toxic, but we can't, we also have to be careful with labeling everything toxic. And we also, yeah, and we have to also know, like, so there are challenges and no one's perfect. And I think the great thing about, like, Whitley, like, um, the great thing about Different World and Loving Basketball is that you see two imperfect people come together and they still are able to love each other. And I think we need to do that. Like, as soon as somebody that we admired, like, messes up, then <laughs> we throw them away. And it's like, no, that's not real life. That's not people. People, people's up for the most. Like you know, a lot of us, like you, all of us, we have things that suck about us. Like, you know, and but that doesn't make us any less of a person. That doesn't, you know, and and to learn to love someone and embrace someone despite their flaws is like the highest form of love. So yeah, I definitely don't think that's toxic, and we got to be careful with with that and and creating a sanitized version of love that's not based on reality because then. You know, you go looking for that, and then you end up with no one, and then you're like, you know, 90 years old thinking about your life and all the the, the ones you let get away and all the mistakes that you made. So, yeah, that's how. You heard that, fellas? Um, side track. Remember, you know, Dr. J stuff with all those women, but he ended up alone. Right. So, right. Thousands of mm. Whoever it was, sleeping with. Thousands of women don't make you a man. Having that one queen at the house that's going to back you up makes you a man. All right, right. so we're going to close out soon, but um, here's a big question as creators, and I just want to get you guys' no-holds-barred answer. Do you okay. feel that film is necessary in 2020? Wait, do we feel that what? Do you feel that film school is necessary in oh. 2020? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to add it? Mind if I did first, Jen? Yeah, go ahead. Um, so it's, it's, this is one of those questions where I don't, I, like, if I answer one way, it'll be like I'm advocating against it. So let me say this. I think it's situation dependent. So I found film school helpful, but I don't know if I would say it was necessary in the sense of the film industry well, especially today, right, there are so many platforms, so many resources now for anybody to literally pick up a camera, and that camera can be your phone. Pick up a camera and shoot something, edit it yourself, and put it on IG, YouTube, Facebook, whatever, just so many different platforms that you cut out the middleman and you can really write, shoot, Mm -hmm. edit, and distribute your own stuff. Um, And to me, one of the best learning tools is literal practice, right? Mm -hmm. Literally doing it, going out, and and filming something. But I do feel like there are things that film school teaches you that you can't learn on your own, you know? Mm -hmm. Technical stuff, like depending on, like if you want to be, a dope editor, yes, getting uh, uh, an editing program um, and just playing around with it is great. But mm-hmm. um, I think learning from uh, someone or having people that you're with, your peers, 
right, like students, other students, um, I think that is helpful. Um, so I just think that it's situation dependent. I do think that the importance of it has lessened today, more today than it ever was. Like, that's to me just a reality. Like, I feel like it's not as important as it was, say, when I was in school, even when Jen was in school. But uh, but I think it's situation dependent. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like, like you said, like, there's a difference. Um, is it necessary, like, to be a good filmmaker and to have a career? Uh, no, it's not necessary, but it is a great thing to have um, yeah. in your toolbox, in your tool belt. And, um, and, and it's funny because, you know, I didn't go to school initially for film. I went for music. Um, but I feel like mm-hmm. if you're not going to school, you have to take it seriously and you have to be committed to learning and educating yourself. Um, I constantly would take workshops, learning and being mentored and learning from different people and studying and, and reading. I got the whole, the masterclass thing, uh, the app. I, I'm just, you know, yes. constantly studying. And I've always been yes, like that yes. as far as <laughs> something that's interesting. I'm breathing it and I'm, I'm learning and I'm learning from the masses. I'm learning from the greats and you have to be dedicated to that. You know, I don't, I don't, um, get behind I don't you know subscribe to people who who don't really take it seriously you know I feel like you can see it in their work and a lot some people manage to become successful and they don't take it seriously but um I think you know I love this craft so much and I I feel like you have to respect it like to get you know at least my respect as a filmmaker you have to respect the craft and um and and um, so there's a lot of people who don't respect it, and they think, okay, well, I can just do this, and I don't need school, and I don't need that, and that's the wrong attitude to have, um, I feel. And um, but yeah, it is not necessary. Um, but um, I would say I actually took a, a a workshop at New York Film Academy in 2005, and they have the perfect blend, I think, from with hands-on hands-on education. And um, and then the practical, like the the book stuff. And so I think you know, um, my professor actually went on to be uh, like he. I think he nominated for a Golden Globe. Uh, his name is John Krakitis. He did um, the film Kill Your Darling uh, with Daniel Radcliffe. That was my professor. So like, there's a lot of you know people with that kind of that blend that I've learned from that went on to do great things, and I think that's the perfect balance. Yeah. Can I ask a question for you, if I may ask real quick? Oh, me? Okay. Yeah, because she's one one of the most talented people I've ever known and worked with, and just to be her partner, like, before (laughs) me, like, you know, like, we both are trying to, like, we were independent you know, filmmakers, like, I mean, like, solo, solo acts, so it's really, like, dope that, like, her partner, I, I get to be that, you know what I mean, get to be that mm-hmm. person. Jen, would you say, like, because you, like, people ask me about acting, right, and I tell them, what, how did I get into acting and how did I get started, and I always step in and say, my story is unique. Do not think that you're going to 
that, that you're going to be on set as an extra, uh, a kid's not going to show up, and then you're going to be the kid that gets to set in line and the rest of the Yeah. You, to see where you are, and just like a little bit, uh, Derek, like, because we've been pitching a show together with the likes yeah. of Wendell Pierce and that Bernstein, and Jen is like right there. Just the way she speaks is so eloquent, and she commands a room, and her, her mm-hmm. imprint on these projects is so felt, and it's like she's with these people who have been doing it, quote-unquote, for decades. Do you feel like, Jen, there has to you have to have a certain talent, like that there's almost like the, the cream does rise to the top, and there are things that film school can't teach you. You either have it or you don't, because I feel like that is the case with you. And I, I don't say that to discourage people. Like, no, if you want to do it, do it. But do you think that that is true to that, that it does also take a certain talent that you either have or not? Yes. Uh, so <laughs> this is a great question. Um, I think you can learn anything that you put your mind to, but I think it's a okay. difference between a, a skill and a talent, right? And mm-hmm. and I don't want to, yeah. you know, um, put these so there's these two movies right um creed like creed with uh by ryan coogler and then there's creed 2 and i can't like remember the the director um who, who did those two movies. that's how you say his name okay yes yes so uh so thank you Derek. Those, <laughs> thank you Derek. um those both to me were really great films right very uh like technically good it's very enjoyable but what creed the original creed has to me like i call it the ryan coogler magic mm. and i think while you can you can create great work while you study and you know you do all those things like you know and you create like creed too and you can be successful and everything like that when someone is, like, born with just something special, like a particular oh. eye, there's a certain magic when you watch what they create and what they bring to it. Wow. And I think that that's how I, I, I always say it. Right when I go, we have Fig, like, you know, just right, like, when, you know, have Fig, and I'm like, there's magic. Like, that's, there's something magical about what he shoots and stuff like that. And I can, you know, break it down, the difference between, like, filmmakers. But, uh, yeah, there is a difference between talent and skill. But I think either wow. one can get you in the door, can get you successful. And you can have all the talent. Yes. And, but you can have also, you can have all the talent in the world. But if you're not studying at it and you're not working on it, you're not going to, you may not go anywhere. You know, then how many oh. people, you know, you see people on the street with, like, all this, you know, who sing. Like, you, and I'm, I'm in New York, and I'm just like, wow, your voice is probably the greatest voice, you know, I've ever heard. But you're on a, on a subway begging for change, you know. And so that's all that talent. But if you're not, you know, putting yourself in the right positions and also you're not leaving yourself open for opportunity, um, you may not, you know, be successful. And then someone who, you know, may not have been born with that eye or that grace or whatever, but if they, but they work hard, they're going to go far. And I think, you know, we've seen that in our industry with, you know, some some filmmakers who, uh, in my opinion, don't really have the talent, but the work that they put in has allowed them to amass a certain amount of this, you know, fortune and success. So, did I answer your question, babe? 
You did. That yeah, was, and that was such a beautiful. Yes, yes. <laughs> that was such a beautiful answer, and, and it just reminds me of a quote, like that. They, something that goes to go. Something like, "Hard work beats talent when talent fails to work hard." Mm. Like mm. I love that. that. You, right? You get that down. Yeah. Hard work beats talent when talent fails to work hard. Mm. So that's kind mm. of what the Jen said. There's so many talented people out there that don't put in the work. And yet, a hard worker who's less talented will always beat that really talented person that doesn't work as hard. Yeah. And that goes to yeah. what Jen was saying about respecting the craft. So Jen has both, right? She is immensely talented, but she also studies it. She works at it. You know what I mean? And I can be honest, right? She picked up my level of productivity and work, you know, since she's been in my life. You know, you can have You mean like I picked it up from you? Yeah, it's like like you inspired my like level of work ethic and productivity. Oh, I hope you pick yours up. Yes, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> like I, you know, I always felt like I, like that I had you know certain talent, and obviously being growing up in this industry is all fine and good, but I, you know you can't you can't let things just come to you. You can't just mm-hmm. think that things will just come to you. And there were times where I felt like that, just based off reputation. You know, yeah. was enough for me to get something done. But no, you know, and then you came in and showed me what it really means to be productive and write every day and create yeah. and thinking about the next move, you know, and that's what a great partnership is. You know what I mean? We help each other in areas where we are weaker in, in certain aspects. So, um, but thank you for answering that. That, that absolutely answered it. And the Creed example was a perfect one, in my opinion. Yeah. And both were great films. Creed 2 was an excellent film, but I agree. Mm-hmm. Like Ryan Cooler, he clearly is just an immensely talented dude, and you see it yeah. in, in his work. Yeah. And, and yeah. I just wanted to – oh, sorry. I just wanted to say, if you're talented and you're, you're, you need change, I'm not, I'm not like, dissing you. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, even though you <laughs> could take – yeah, I was thinking in my head, like, no, like, I don't want that to come off wrong. Like, uh, you know, uh, I, I used to, like, you know, I had a little girl group when we went on, you know, we'd be in the Staten Island Ferry, like, you know, with our little hats and singing and stuff. But uh, it's just that you could take, you know – you you know how you take that and parlay that into like a career is is based on I feel like your work ethic. So yeah, let me. That's all I want to say, and you know I'll stop talking now. <laughs> yeah, I totally got you. I mean, even even taking a step taking a step further, you you know, correlates is something. Um, you guys remember Usher's Here I Stand album, right? The one that came out no way, right after Confessions, and but that album. His mom was no longer his manager, so he lost what, like Sony was saying, that I that his mom had for picking the right material. Now, for me, Agreed. here I stand is a classic album because at the time my wife was pregnant, I just got mm. married, so everything he was singing about I could relate to. But, you know, the world wasn't ready to hear us talking about his pregnant wife or, you know, settling down. They wanted yeah. to in the club after the showing off them abs and you know, <laughs> but as, like I tell people, like I, like I tell a lot of a lot of guys and a mm-hmm. lot of women too, go back 
and go back and re-listen to Here I Stand as an adult. Let's do it in your 30s and really, and really digest what he was talking about because he was saying some real shit. You know, he was really talking about this. I'm not a player no more. You know, you're my queen. You know, you're having my, having my child. I want to settle down and be at home changing mm-hmm. diapers and bringing you wine. And it's growth. But, again, that album only sold a million copies compared to Confessions oh, yeah. going like 12 D- million. Diamond. Yeah, diamond. Yeah, he lost his mom's vision, and had he had his mom in his corner, she would have picked the right material yeah. for that album to be more successful. Because it's not a trash album; it's actually a very grown man R and B album. It's just they weren't yeah. ready to have that usher. All right, so yeah. before we close out, where can fans and possible collaborators find you on social media? If you guys don't mind sharing your um. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and shout out to our website, too, that you guys have for all your projects. Oh. I don't want to take that away from you. I wanted you guys to share that with the world. Okay, so uh, you know, the web, so so we can be found, like, well, we let's start, I guess, to see if we, if I forget anything, babe, you can, um, so Brandon yeah. Hammond, you know, I'm sure you, go, you can look up Brandon Hammond, and he'll show up anywhere, but he's on Instagram at bl underscore ham, that's H-A-M as in Mary M, right? It's two M's, right, babe? B-L yep. underscore H-A-M-M, B-L ham. Um, I'm at, I'm on Instagram as Genesis underscore Scott, that's J, not a Z, J-E-N as in Nancy, E-S as in Sam, I-S as in Sam, underscore Scott, S <laughs> As it says, C O T T, as in Tom. So those are our Instagram. Um, like Derek said on uh, Facebook, I'm Stony Scott, S T O N E Y Scott, um, and uh, that's my Facebook. Brandon is on Facebook as Brandon Hammond. She also has yeah. a fan page. Yeah, yeah. He. Mm-hmm. What you say, babe? Oh no, no, you good? Yeah, I'm just like oh. just co-signing, co-signing. Okay. <laughs> He has a fan page also that you can fo- like and follow. Um, he posts, like, exclusive, uh, you know, content on there. So, uh, you know, if you can't get through, like, a friend request from him, um, you know, you could uh, like and follow his fan page, the Brandon Hammond. We have, um, we have a website um, for, like, we, we are doing – uh, we also we 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 started this show this web series uh, called Conversations with and that's our like umbrella also company um, and he also has his uh, he also has his own uh, web series called Along the Way where he uh, basically talks to and have conversations with people who he met on the journey. Last week he did um, he spoke to Vivica Fox and we will you know he will be talking to you know, other people. So you could find that at www.theconversationsplural.with.com. So that's theconversationswith.com. And make sure you put an S on conversations. And then there you could find, you know, like our YouTube channel and everything like that. We have a lot of great content that we're going to be putting out um, in addition to, you know, like, films and, you know, productions that we, you know, we want to, we pitch and have in theaters and contests and stuff like that. We have a bunch of 
like free content and a bunch of things just especially um in this these quarantine times uh we yeah. want to do our part to keep everyone entertained and everyone keep everyone sane so it's a lot of conversations that we need to have a lot of support and you know things that we can have so we have in addition to conversations with that web series and along the way we'll be bringing we we have um a podcast that we'll be doing called Black Quarantine Love, and it's a lot about, you know, our love story and what it's like to, because we we had a long-distance relationship for so long, and I and I came to New York, and I was supposed to be going back to L.A. Uh, to not only be with my man, but to, you know, film, but then this pandemic happened, and I got stuck in, in New York, and then my mom passed away, and my sister got the virus, and you know, I've just been here in New York. And so we've been apart for, like, a few months now. And uh, it is, a, you know, a particular struggle with that, not only the, the distance, but, you know, just the grief, you know, just the grief, the everything. And our Black Quarantine Love is a podcast is talking about how we deal with that. And we want to, like, you know, also help others who uh, may can listen and, you know, find strength in our story um, we also, you know, give tips on how to keep the intimacy when you're, you know, so far away. So that's coming, and you can find all of that on the theconversationswith.com. Uh, and, and did you talk so, about the conversations with, like, because I know you said along the way, and did you talk specific, like, specifically, like, how that's in conjunction with the conversations with? Oh, that's so, yeah, so, uh, yeah, so, yeah, so, the conversations with is a like is just like a site where we're gonna we have the free content we have shows like along the way and all these things. But the web series, how that came about is like, you know, the conversations with is like we're gonna be talking to or we you know just kind of showcasing groups of people just talking to each other, having dialogue like we had conversations with black men, you know, conversations, yeah. you know, with. Um, We'll do, like, we want to do things like conversations with people who, you know, have been affected by, like, just coronavirus or conversations with people who social lost their mothers. Activists. Social activists. Conversations with, uh, conversations with, um, you know. Couples. Yeah, couples or, you know, you know immigrants or, or, you know, people who, you know, you know, who've been affected Yes, like, so it's just conversations with these people, and, you know, we plop a camera down, and now that we're, you know, distance, we kind of, we're using Zoom, and so, but, you know, we just, you let them talk, and they talk to each other, and it's unfiltered, and um, that's also something else that we we have coming down the pipeline, and some, you know, episodes are up now, but we, we have more coming. We've been working really hard. Yes, we have. And, and, man, I'm talking about this kind of self-editing, like you've been editing. And we, we're going to have an editor to help, like, with the with the content because it would be just overwhelming enough, of, you know, creating it and uh, interviewing, you know, getting interviews together. But um, you've been – when you go on my Instagram, you'll see on my IGTV uh, channel, it'd be along the way. And, and there is a conversation with – Instagram page. I don't know if you mentioned that, babe. But oh, I didn't. Good, good one, babe. Yeah, and I think it's is it underscore conversations with underscore. It is conversations underscore with underscore on Instagram. 
The IGTV. There you go. So it's conversations underscore, conversations with the plural, with the S, conversations underscore with underscore on yes. Instagram yes. and IGTV. So, yeah, yes, it's, sir. It's, yeah, it's a beautiful thing, man. And, and the Along the Way thing just came about recently, and it was just a perfect blend to go with the conversations with, you know, package as a whole under the umbrella of conversations with because um, I'm having conversations with these people that I've met along the way in my career who have impacted me personally and professionally. So mm. be on the lookout yeah. for that. Um, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's already already out, but just stay on the lookout. For new episodes, be on the lookout. I want to thank Genesis and Brand have taken time out of their busy collaborative schedule to talk to a little small timer like myself. Um, like I tell no, every no, interview no. that I have. Um, you have a big, me, you, you, big light. For me, as a content creator myself, really getting a chance to pursue his um, filmmaking dreams, you know, that wasn't what God had intended for me. It's just an honor to talk to people that are so passionate about their process and their careers and you know when I tell folks that talking to these people that are in the industry for me is the equivalent that sports fanatics are getting watching the Jordan Last Dance documentary on ESPN and I don't say that wholeheartedly I feel that to every person I've interviewed that's what really matters to me that you guys take time out of your schedule to chop it up and just talk and tell your truth and you don't try to sugarcoat anything when you're talking to us. So if you go all take time out of your schedule to talk to me and chop it up for damn near two hours, it's just, you know, that means the world to me. And I turn 39 tomorrow, so this is one of the perfect kickoffs for, you know, my birthday and for me to be able to Happy celebrate. Birthday. Happy birthday, man. Happy Thank birthday. You. With content, wow. with y'all, just, you know, talk film and just see the – beautiful spirit that you two have and the inspiration that you're giving other folks out there being separated and what, what Genesis went through, sharing her truth, sharing her story with her mom passing with her sister, having COVID and then talking to Brandon, you know, somebody you watch grow up on screen and just the way you two interact with each other throughout the interview, just, again, just hearing, hearing you all talk about your love and about, how you're collaborating, that's all exciting to me. That's mm-hmm. just, you know, it's my authority moment right now and my, you know, my blessing with everything that we're going through right now. So mm-hmm. thank you for that. I mean, you know, 100, totally from the bottom of my heart, not only as a Facebook friend, not only as someone who firmly believes you guys are going to see everything you're setting out to do, thank you. You know, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Wow. Thank you, Derek. Thank you, Derek. Wow. Those words were powerful wow. and we don't take them lightly and like Jen said, no, yeah look, everybody started somewhere, you know, and there's no such thing as like small timers when it comes to us, you know. Yeah. Um, we were honored that you would ask us to share this, but we right. what you what you're hearing from us is how we talk on the phone and <laughs> that's, that's us. We silly, we goofy. Yeah. Get on each other's nerves at times, but I mean we didn't yeah. get that here but we love each other, and it's, it's an honor and a pleasure to 
uh, share your platform, bro, you know, because, right. you know, we want to be the baby to say, yo, when it blows, bro, like, hey, we were one of the first. Yeah, we was on there, yeah. like, <laughs> we, we was, like, right. way back then, you know, and right. I just, right. I, there is, I know, like, there is big things in the work for you, and just, like, your heart and your energy and your aura, you know, like, yep. like attracts, like, a lot of time, like, what what you put out is what you what you get back and it may not be right away because you know what I've learned is there's a delay or like you know through like it's almost like a mail service like you're gonna you could send something off and people think oh if I do something good like it comes right back no it's got to be delivered and then that's got to be sent back out and then you got to receive it but when you receive it uh you will receive it in abundance and so what you put out but like what you're putting out now what you're doing like it's 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 only up, you know, from here. And I'm just like Brenda said, I'm like I'm honored and I appreciate this. And this is this made my day, you know, just having this, you know, this conversation and you know all the love that's on this, you know, on this uh, interview and um, on this show. And yes, it's gonna be great. And happy birthday Absolutely. again. <laughs> yeah, happy birthday. Thank you for like reaching out. And Jen was telling me for a minute you when you were trying to set this up, so. Yeah, <laughs> um, you are an excellent host, by the way. Yeah, um, oh, thank you. Very, yeah, very relaxed environment. Uh, and those are the best interviews when you're just talking to the person, right? When it's literally a yeah. conversation. So, so uh, appreciate yeah. it, man. Thank you. Well, thank folks, you. I hope you all enjoyed hearing Ms. Genesis Scott and Mr. Brandon Hammond chop it up. I had fun talking to these two. And I'm, you know, looking forward to what they have to say. And usually I end my interviews with a quote from Maurice White. But just, you know, hearing these two talk, I want to change it up a little bit for today. So take this with a grain of salt and remember these positive words. If you want to look yourself up, look up someone else first. Booker T. Washington. Mm -hmm. Until the next time, done out. What up, y'all? This is Mike from the infamous group 112, ATL's Finest, and thanks for listening to Reviews and Done with my man, Derek Dunn. If you like this show and want to know more, check out his website, reviewsanddone.net.